Alright, Acts chapter 8 in our Bibles. Acts chapter 8. If the lights go out while the storm hits us, you know, we're just going like, to act natural. It's not like we haven't sweat for the gospel before, right? Amen. Lord, please don't. <laughs> it's not even funny. It's not even funny. I, I mean, I already said that... This is not Kumbaya Church. That's down the street. Alright? So, um... I'm not telling you who I'm talking about. Hey, but we're going to have a great time. All right? So hopefully we can, we can beat the storm. All right? Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We're going to look over in verse 15. If you're already in Acts, say amen. 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 I like that. Even Miss Tina was enthusiastic. I like it. All right. Acts chapter 8. Look at verse 15. Where are my glasses? I don't know. All right. Acts 15. Acts chapter 8, verse 15. Who, when... Um, Let's back up to verse 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for, uh, for when they, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen un, uh, upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomever I shall I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. So we hear about a man right now in the Bible. His name is Simon, right? Simon basically sees uh, Peter and John. He sees them come out and they're, they're doing miracles and great things are happening. And everyone's like, wow, they're laying hands on people. This is post, uh, uh, post-Pentecost and they're laying hands on people. They're receiving the Holy Ghost. They're getting these special gifts. And Simon's like, what? I want to I wanna not only get the, receive it, but I want to be able to lay hands on people and, and do, do the gifts, do the things that you're getting. Uh, and do the things that you're doing. Be able to give the gifts to people like you are. How much does it cost? How much does it cost? And of course, they were like, you can't buy the Holy Ghost. That's, you know, you can't buy the Holy Ghost. Come on. And so we saw that he was wanting the, the power of God, uh, of course, to misappropriate. He wanted to use it for his own benefit, for something personal. But that's not what I want to, that's not the avenue that I want to take um, tonight, talk, dissecting. Uh, dissecting Simon um, I actually have a whole other sermon just on him and, and, and how his viewpoint was wrong and, and how that applies to us today but I use this kind of as a jump off for a message um, that I've entitled it's not about the money it's not about the money and what I want to do is I want to just give you quickly six things that money cannot buy Six things that money cannot buy, and then we'll go home today. So let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son and for sending him to die on the cross for our sins. I pray that you'd bless this message. Help it to speak to the church the way that it's spoken to me, Lord. And we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' precious and holy son's name we pray and we're thankful. Amen. Amen. So we're already in Acts chapter 8. I want you to flip back to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. What are some things that money cannot buy? John chapter 13. Here in John chapter 13, here in John chapter 13, uh, I'm going to look at something important. John 13, look at verse 12. It says, 
So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, they said, uh, he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and say, Well, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should, that, uh, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye that do them. Number one, money can't buy you happiness. Money can't buy you happiness. I think about Robin Williams. And one of the last um, Robin Williams um, interviews that he had before uh, he passed, we found out that Robin Williams, number one, I believe, was an avid drinker. He was an avid drinker and he was severely depressed. Imagine your entire life being geared to making people laugh, to making people happy. Just recently, they just made a, uh, a live-action version of Aladdin. And, of course, they recast uh, Genie. I believe it was Will Smith. Is that who played Genie this time? But even then, people, a lot of people were saying, you know, it just wasn't Robin. It just wasn't Robin. And, of course, he was one of the, uh, you can almost call him one of the comedic patriarchs, you know, of our time. Um, just being known to be just great movies like Flubber, you know what I'm saying? What else? Some other Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. You know what I'm saying? A lot of great movies that he was in that he was hilarious. And I'm not one of the people that's really big on dry humor or some people call it poo-poo humor. You know what I'm saying? I'm not someone that's really big on those, but Robin Williams was funny. And he was able to make, make me laugh. But think about someone who spent his entire life making someone laugh and getting to the end of his life miserable, depressed, unhappy. You know why? Because you'll hear, you'll, hear, you'll hear celebrities say it over and over and over again. Money is just not enough. That's why you'll have, uh, that's why you'll have uh, celebrity uh, sports players who get in trouble for drugs. Or they get in trouble for, you know what I'm saying, for stupid things like stealing and all kinds of other stuff. And doing dumb stuff. Why? Because money is not sufficient. You'll see celebrities who, are, who have Grammys and they have, um, is that what it was? Uh, movie stars get Grammys? Is that how that goes? Oscars. Who gets Grammys? Singers. 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 All right. So they got Oscars. Um, they get Oscars. You know, singers get Grammys. They get all these different stuff, and they can be, you know, platinum artists and all kinds of things. And it's not enough. You know why? Because money cannot buy you happiness. It will always leave you empty. Um, it's important for us to realize that it's a great blessing for people to be able to have money. Of course, you need money to do things and to be able to sustain, and money is important, and it's a great blessing to those people who are able to live lavishly, like Robin Williams, or maybe like Jim Carrey, who also is not a very happy individual, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that, but we have to realize that it's not something that is going to make you complete. It's not something that's going to make you whole. Happiness is in emotions, and the problem with emotions is that emotions are fickle. Emotions are fickle. And so someone are trying to find happiness, what they really are actually trying to find is joy. Completion. Being able to have a sense of peace and a sense that, um, of, of, that everything is going to be okay. And that's not something that's ever going to come to you except through the saving blood and knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that's going to be able to buy you happiness. Money is not going to be the thing to do it. Flip over uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Money can't buy you stuff. Money can buy a lot of stuff, but there's actually quite a handful of things 
that money just cannot buy you. That money just cannot buy you. First Timothy chapter six. I might that might be the wrong one. Hold on, me just okay. It has to be the right one. Okay, that's right. I was reading the wrong verse. All right, First Timothy chapter six. Look at verse six. It says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Piggybacking off of happiness, money can't buy you contentment. Money can't buy you contentment. It's been said before how I forget who the person that was asked. Someone may be able to tell me who it was. But they were, was it maybe Bill Gates? Does anyone know? They said, How much money will it take for you to, uh, how much money will it take for you uh, to be enough? Maybe it was Carnegie. Okay. I was I couldn't remember I couldn't remember who it was, but what was his response? One more dollar, right? Just a little bit more, right? And it was important to realize that money is never going to buy you contentment. We live in something that's not really an actual Webster's word or phrase, but something called first world. Something called first world. And here in America, man, we have a lot, and we talk about that quite a bit. Uh, but it's really easy to to get in a place where you lack contentment. It's really easy to look across the fence. What does they say? The, gra- the grass is greener. On the other side, we have statements like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Those different kind of uh, phrases of old, but it's important for us to realize uh, that money can't buy you into a place of lack of want. Devil, <laughs> stop it. All right, get the hint. You're not welcome here. Don't do that. Don't mess with that. All right, you're not welcome here. All right. You, you can't buy yourself out of a lack of want. That's going to be something that you have to develop. That's something that you're going to have to get to a place. Like Paul said, I've learned to abase. I've, I've abased and I've abounded. But I've learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. And what you'll find out is that someone who is in a place where they can practice contentment really will piggyback off the first point is that you'll find statistically that people who have gotten to a place of contentment are happier people. They're happier people. People, of course, everyone in here can use something. I know I can use some more money, right? Everyone can, but, but there's a difference between knowing your needs and what, can, what, you can, what, you, what you need to move and progress further and at the same time being happy with where God has you. It's kind of a fine line. It's kind of a fine line as you can still should pursue growth, but we got to be, be able to make sure that we're not at a place where we're just kind of like, you know, a little bit more. A little bit more. Like that, like that was said before, chasing money is kind of a bottomless hole. And we must learn to be happy with what we have. How does the statement go? He that dies with the most toys still dies. Still dies. I'm not sure who coined he that dies with the most toys wins. It's not true. Still die. Someone's going to take your stuff when you're dead. Right? Your kids are going to sit there and fight over your will and decide who's getting what. Right? But it's important to understand that we must learn to be happy with, we ha- with what we have. Money cannot buy happiness. Money cannot buy contentment. Turn over to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. John, chapter 3, verse 16. Again, another verse that many people, that many people can quote. But John, chapter 3, Verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Alright? 
Number three, money can't buy you love. Can't buy me love. Everybody tells me so. Right? It's a song. It's true. Money cannot buy you love. What we know is that love is a person. Love is a person. And that person being the Lord Jesus Christ who came down where God had to bankrupt heaven so that all of us could be able to find a place um, in heaven with God, right? We learn that love is Jesus and love uh, and love people as he loved. And there's no, we talked about the, the different forms of love, right? Based on the Greek context, we talked about the four major types being, um, we talked about uh, phil, uh, phileo, which is brotherly love, right? Philadelphia, we have that word phil, uh, phileo, which we get that word brotherly love. We get the word uh, storge, which is that, that more like a uh, in, in, in immediate family kind of love. You know what I'm saying? Like a, like a, a spouse has for a spouse or a mother has for a child. That's more of your store game. We get the word um, uh, eros, which is more of a perverted kind of love, usually associated with lust, right? And then you have the word agape, right? Which is an unchanging, unwavering, immutable love that is championed by the person, none, none other than God himself, right? The love that we should all be pursuing, uh, pursuing after. Um, and we got to be careful. Money can't buy us love. We learned from the prodigal son that money don't buy you love, right? right? He went out there and the Bible says he took his father's, he took his fa- the inheritance that he got from his father. He went out and he had, he had just splurged and spent it on all of his friends. And he, the Bible says he burned all of his money on riotous living. And as soon as his money ran out, his friends left. Until he, got to, until he had to end up finding somebody that he could, um, that he could basically just work for. And, and, and till his ground for him and he ended up eating out of the pig's trowel, right? Trying to survive and eating the husks that, was for, that were for the pigs. And man, and when you find out that money don't buy you love, money buys you a lot of friends, but they're temporary. Because as soon as you get those things, uh, they're all gone. We got to be careful about people who try so hard to buy attention. In my master's classes this week, which are currently getting on my nerves, right? Um, we talked about... We talked about um, We're talking about uh, a a child age called middle childhood. Middle childhood. And that's the age from about 6 to 12. And we're talking about in in the middle childhood age. It's it's very important because children start to develop... to develop a, a, a lot of their, their standings. We find out that it's during this age that children start to respect their peers more than their parents, right? They want to fit in more than they want their parents' approval uh, or want their parent, or do what their parents want or try to please their parents. They rather, they, they're at the place where they're in their psychosocial age that they're trying to fit in. They're trying to develop their identity. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to, we talked about how uh, people, it's at that age that's part of the age group where they begin to, to create that social hierarchy where people who, are, um, who, de- who develop leadership traits usually are at the top of the food chain, right? And they, those are the people who end up being like jocks or the popular kids, right? And you can see it. Um, kids, walk in, p- kids walk in the classroom and they got the spider, their light-up Spider-Man shoes, right? And all the little kids are like, ooh, ah, you're so cool. I wish I had shoes like you, right? And they want to kind of fit in uh, to, that, to a mold and you'll find out they start to develop an identity, but it's mostly the identity of their peers. They want to do, that's why little kids, you'll see, that's why you'll see your, you're going to have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. But if that one-year-old is doing little cute stuff, 
what's going to happen? That three-year-old is now going to mimic the one-year-old because he sees that that's how he gets approval in his mind, right? And so it's important to, to look at the fact that even as far as elementary age, we see that the, the standing for self-esteem and self-identity, those things trickle way back all the way to five and six years old. It's important for us to realize that love is something that is sought after at a very, very, very early age. And a lot of times we try to use, um, even as a, from a child all the way up, that money has been something, um, or stuff you can even interchange, has been something that has sought to win people over for a long time. And it's something that is not actually a real love, but it's a superficial surface level love. And money cannot buy the real thing. Money can't buy the real thing. People tr- try too hard to buy attention, and they can't do that. Man, you see it on, you see it on Instagram. Instagram has this thing, and even f- Twitter, Facebook has it. They have these apps that you can buy followers, right? And they're not real followers, but they're just bots, right? They're just like little, they're like fake accounts that don't re- aren't really like active or anything, but it makes you look like you have a lot more friends than you actually do. Right? That's why because the, the, the attention, the desire to be popular, the desire to feel what happens with, uh, with a strong self-esteem comes from the acceptance sometimes of others. But the truth is stuff and money, it won't buy you love. It won't buy you love. So number one, money can't buy you happiness. Number two, money can't buy you contentment. Number three, money can't buy you love. Number four, Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. What are some things that money can't buy you? Well, I'm, I'm going to answer your question. Hold on. Hold on. Philippians chapter 4, another familiar passage. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Number 4, money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy you peace. There are a lot of people in this world who are trying to fill voids in their lives. And a lot of it is you find out a lot of people can get in social places. They can get to work. They can come to church. um, They can, you know, go out in places and have fun and laugh and go home and be completely miserable. Be completely depressed. Go home and complete and really go through it. And a lot of people, you'll find out that they toss and turn in their sleep and they, they don't like being alone because their minds race. And a lot of people are lacking. What a lot of people want is peace. A peace of mind over their circumstances. A peace of mind over their relationships. A peace of mind over their financial status. And a lot of people are really seeking to get a full level of peace. And a lot of people don't have it. A lot, of people would, a lot of people would trade all that they had for peace, for a peace of mind, especially when it comes down to, to conscience. Sometimes from a conscience standpoint, people's consciences are so, are so out of whack that they, just, they would love some, some peace. Anyone ever seen the movie 2012? That movie 2012? The movie 2012 was back when they thought the world was going to end in 2012. So they made a movie about it. And basically what happened in 2012... Um, there was a whole bunch of natural disasters. There was a whole bunch of natural disasters, and, and what happened was there were floods, there were earthquakes, there were hurricanes, uh, tsunamis, all kinds of different stuff going on. And what ends up happening is, I guess the government um, had planned for it, and so what they did was they built these really like unsinkable ships, 
right? They were made, they were these huge, basically just metal boxes, kind of like arcs, you know what I'm saying? And they were meant to sustain even the worst conditions. And the only thing about it was that there were, uh, there were only a limited amount of spaces. Well, of course, we have 8.2 billion people on the planet, you know what I'm saying? So there were only a select number of ships, and basically they were going to just try to save as many people as they can, and then everybody else was going to have to just, <laughs> you know? That's how it was going to have to go. But I remember there was one scene on the, on, on, in the movie where a man who the whole movie, you know, you know how those movies go. They show you about six or seven people in different social standings, and it's meant to kind of teach a lesson, so, so to speak. But there was one man, it was a man, and he was a rich man. He was a rich man, and... You know, he was very, he was kind of snobby. You know, he kind of had like a Luke 16 rich man kind of feel to him. Very snobby, very like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm all that. And his kids were absolute brats. Absolute brats. I mean, I want to just reach the TV screen and just, <laughs> you know, just awful. Right? We get to the end of the movie and the ship, uh, the, the ship um, is filling up and he's, a, he's a, you know, he's, a, he's a, a gajillionaire. I mean, he's just filthy rich. Right, and he's, and he's trying to get onto the ship and there's no more space. There's no more space. And so he's like, let me in, 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 you know, let me buy, let me buy, let me buy. He's like, I can't do it, we can't do it, we don't have any more space. And he starts getting to the place where he's pulling out his credit cards, his black cards, he's pulling out cash out of his wallet, and he's taking the whole wallet, here's the keys to my, to my you know, my, six, my 6K, my 600K, you know, car, your six-figure car, and uh, you know, here's all this, and they're like, we can't. That, none of that means anything. The world's ending. You know what I'm saying? And he got to the point where he said, at least take my boys. At least take my boys, and it's okay. I'll stay, but take my boys. I think they ended up, they ended up taking them. But I just, the, the purpose of that whole story was just think about that in the grand scheme of things, money can't buy you a lot of stuff. Money can't buy you a lot of stuff, and there are so many people in this world that are trying to buy their way out of some of the circumstances, some of the ways, some of the things that they feel. And money won't get things like that elephant off your chest. The thing that you're wrestling with God over and you'd give anything for it to just be gone, money's not going to be the thing that's going to fix that. Your relationship with God is the only thing that can fix that. Number five, money can't buy you salvation. Money can't buy you salvation. I know I'm speaking to a room uh, full of Christians. But, you know, remember we were talking about that rich, young, that rich man? And how that rich man, when he, when he opened, up, opened his eyes after he took his last breath and lifted his eyes in hell, his money meant nothing. His money meant nothing. He said, hey, there's a great divide between us two so that there's no, you can't come from there to here and from here to there, but there's a great divide and it can't happen. See, you go out and we knock doors week after week after week and we talk to people about their salvation and they say, no, I'm good. I've got what I need. I still can't, remember, I still can't help thinking about that time in Indiana when we were knocking doors that a day and we came to this really gorgeous, it was almost like a Cuban-style house. You know what I'm saying? Like a really like Tony Montana kind of house. You know what I'm saying? It really looked like that. He had, brick dry, he had a brick driveway. It was gorgeous. Um, I can't remember the kind of car that he had in his lot, but it was a really nice car. I think it might have been a Jaguar. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. But we knock on his door and a man comes out. You know, he's the kind of guy who had his sunglasses on on the inside. One of those kind of guys, right? Had his sunglasses on. He had his, um, his Ralph Lauren polo on. I still remember what he looked like to this day. He had his nice, you know, golfer's shorts on. 
and he had his Sperry's on, you know what I'm saying? A nice watch. I mean, he just looked, he just looked expensive. You ever seen someone that looks expensive? He looked expensive. And we said, hey, we're from Lighthouse Baptist Church in, in, uh, in, in Lebanon, and we're just out here trying to invite people to church. And he says, he says to us, he, in essence, he's like, Does it look? he's like, I don't need, I don't need that. Like, he's like, you can't tell. I'm good. I'm good. Would you like a bottle of water? I mean, he was nice to us. He wasn't a jerk. He wasn't rude. He wasn't snobby. He was a very nice guy. And he offered us some, some bottles of water while we were out knocking doors on that summer day. And it was, he was really kind. But I was in here thinking, I'm like, man, thanks for the water. But you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're saying. And people, and I believe that just like that movie in, in 2012, as there's people who are trying to just give all that they have to get aboard that ship. Man, there's going to be people that stand before God and say, God, what, what do I got to do? I mean, I give you everything that I have. And he's like, what, do you, what can you give me when it's all mine? What can you give me when it's all mine? All has sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life of Jesus Christ our Lord. God commended his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the only merit. That's the only merit for us. And we have to understand that money just will not be able to buy us salvation. And lastly, we said number one, we said number one, that money can't buy you happiness. Money can't buy you contentment. Money can't buy me love, right? Money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy you salvation. And lastly, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Probably one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Money can't buy you eternal security. Money can't buy you eternal security. So many people try to just merit their social standing based on what they can do or what they have or what they have to offer. They try to measure God's graces by what they have or what they can offer. But the truth is, the only thing that really settles your eternity is Christ. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, where which you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So many times people try to deal with spiritual things with temporary measures, and that's not going to be enough, enough to do it. So let me just ask you, and then we're done. Let me just ask you, and then we're done. As, as you think about your life, I wonder if any of these things applied to you. How's your happiness? How's your contentment? How do you feel about love and the love in your life and the way that you love others? What's your peace factor? What about your salvation? Is it settled? What about your eternity? See, there are so many people who literally will give anything to have what they need. And the thing is, there's only one way to get that all done. It's through a personal relationship with God. And by his mercies and by his grace, being able to grow each and every day. Other than that, money can get us temporal things, but that's pretty much about it. Because the real riches are what's laying for us ahead. 
And I love, the, I love that verse that I'm, that I'm thinking about, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places, right? We think about, uh, you know, the weapons of our warfare also are not carnal, but mighty through the, uh, how does it go? Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Uh, I mean, let me turn there. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 10. I believe that's the passage, 2 Corinthians 10. Yeah, 10-4. For the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's going to take your spiritual walk. And, and growing in that for you to really find the void that you that we so many times as humans have so have opened. You know, it's going to take a walk with God and growing in that for us to really see that void closed. Money can buy you a lot, can buy you a lot of things, but there's still quite a few things that it can't. Keep that in mind. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly